afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the spirits as we begin our show here today. I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today. I call into all that is good and true and beautiful in my own ancestral line and to the lines of Howard and Ilsa and all those listening here today and those listening in downloads and downloads and downloads, all the ancestors to come in and be with us that we might learn from those who have gone before us. We are living their dream of the future. Let us make the world we are making together in our own dreaming that much more clear and of the heart and of the spirit. We call out to these ancestors to hold us well today in our conversations. I call out to the energy of the earth, that first great ancestor that dreamt life onto the face of this planet. We call out to the earth to be with us here today as we span the globe in our conversation. And we remember that it is a very, very small home, but is exquisitely beautiful and miraculous with its great diversity of life. May all that we hear here today give us hope. Give us inspiration and the ability to move on the earth, to walk lightly, to make beauty happen. And we call out to the energy of the sky above to bring us blessing, to bring us protection, to bring us the generosity of our amazing universe, and to help us to know the benevolence that is the essence of our world. May the love come down from above, meet the earth's energy love rising up and bind in our hearts. And we call out to the energy of the heart, that energy that unites us all, that place that brings the passions of our bellies with the clarity of our mind, that we might know in our heart why we are here and live in that way to bring our gifts to the world and to inspire others to do the same. We call out to these energies to be with us here today, to hold us well, that we might have a good conversation, that we might say what those who are listening need to hear, and that those who are listening may receive things to inspire them in this day. So with the spirits here present with us, I want to honor and give thanks to the beautiful spirits in Howard and Elsa Melpos, who are with us here today from Gastonbury, UK. And they are going to be talking with us today about shamanism over there. So welcome to both of you. Hi, Christina. Great pleasure. Thank you, Christina. Thank you for speaking with us and you're the end of your day and the beginning of my day. Yeah. Um, what I would love to do first is if you can just reflect back and think about the pivotal, pivotal moments in your life that came, well, your lives individually and together, actually, that brought you to this place that you are today. And then we'll talk in the rest of the show about what's going on in the place you're in today. But let's talk about how you got there first. Okay. Yeah, we we could start right at the beginning, but no time. But um, <laughs> regarding that question, I think we need to go back to 1983 when Elsa and I first met, and we were both um, at a use the word pivotal. We were definitely at a pivotal time in our lives. Really, things had ended for us in in our lives, and a new chapter was beginning. So we were kind of at a loss. And it was, when we met, we just knew that we were meant to be together. And uh, Really, for that first year, we went through all the vulnerabilities that go through getting to know someone and trusting someone else. And so, really, we had a year of just getting to know and trust each other. 
And the really big thing for us really happened, and I can give you the time and day. It was um, in 1984, Easter Saturday, and near enough at midnight, we'd been out with some friends and had a lovely evening out. We came home, I just sat in a chair, and opposite me um, was an apparition of my old grandmother who died a long time ago. And there she was, um, as real as real can be, staring at me and smiling. And I was a total atheist and kind of brought up in a scientific world. To see that was a shock. And as I saw her, Elsa came into the room and said, oh, there's an old lady with a pinny, pinafore on, sitting in the corner <laughs> smiling. And I said, whoa. <laughs> wow. Because we hadn't talked really about anything spiritual. I mean, I, I hadn't known that Elsa was a spiritual medium on, um, for many years before that. And... Um, it never came up really in our, in our lives, so there was no kind of spiritual basis to our connection. And anyway, there was the old grandmother there, and she said, "I have I've been sent because I have a message for you, Howard." And the message is going to be revealed over the next three or four months, and you'll be shown which what's going to happen. And basically, what happened for three months was that every evening Elsa would lay down, and then she, when she sat up, she would be have this transfigured face over her, a spirit face who would speak to me and, and uh, for about 20 minutes every day we had this I had a contact with with the great spirit through this beautiful channel and through Elsa and uh, I could ask any question I wanted I had all day to think of questions who is Jesus what is this who am I where, where am I going and over three months basically Elsa and I were given a blueprint of the rest of our lives um, and including really all the central tenets of shamanism, even though we hadn't ever used the word or heard of the word particularly in any relevant way in our lives. But we were shown many, many past lives and one or two in, in absolute detail, um, which even took us to a name and a place in, in England in 1851 where we were given our names and the village we lived in. And, of course, we took a trip out to the village and found on our gravestones and so we, we literally from our little room in london we found ourselves standing over the graves of people we've been shown um, were ourselves in past lives and so these were huge revelations for me and, and i know for elsa as well um and it went further into well we found that after a time when we had this connection there was no need to breathe for, for i remember for one time i was about 15 minutes in to this meditation thing we were taken away and after about 15 minutes no need to breathe i remember thinking i think i've broken the world record for for the guinness book of record for holding the breath the longest and as i <laughs> did that because my ego had dropped in and of course uh, that's not not, not a, a good place to be so these these things were very profound for us and just to end that little kind of thing we were given this and we, we were basically given this blueprint and told that, this, and I quote, that you, us two, and people like you are here to redress the balance. And we were told that um, we'd be guided to meet like-minded people as we ventured into our lives from then on who would teach us. And we were to be therapists and teachers and that we would be shown the right people to guide us along the way. And that um, we were very honored to be in this world doing this work at this time. Um, and the, the, the work is, we were shown this, like a spider's web, but much more complex. Long before there was an internet, we had this mm -hmm. network, heart-to-heart -heart connections, we were told that it's through the heart connections of each individual person that this world will be transformed. And it's been our absolute joy since that time to 
sit in many circles where heart connections are made and um and and that's really kind of the start of how we got involved in our spiritual work in, in our spiritual lives so how did you feel when information about shamanism started to come in and you started realizing that that this information you'd been given was a coherent thing right absolutely um what seminal in that was meeting a man called leo rutherford in england who really in the last 35 years has laid the, the groundwork for shamanism in the uk and he was running courses called um based on shaman called shamanism um, he had these Eagle, Eagle's Wing Center, which was a school for contemporary shamanism. And uh, we met him in a wonderful way. So we knew we were to learn from him and attended many of his courses. And then we realized that all he was teaching us were things that we had actually been working with for a number of years before. It's just we didn't have the label, the name. And meanwhile, we, of course, we were hearing that in America, um, Michael Harner and, and others were also working in the same way so there was this um kind of coming together around this huge umbrella term which we now call shamanism yeah and and so um so people can actually connect with you because many people are listening on their computers Mm -hmm. your uh the website that describes the work that you're doing is shamanicwarrior.com is that correct no, it's um, yeah, it's it's shamanicwarrior.com. Yeah, sorry about that. Yes, yeah, shamanicwarrior.com. And then, are there other pieces of what you're doing that we could direct people on the internet to look at, like the Avalon Foundation or anything like that? You want to send people to at this moment? That's right. Yes, um, a, a lot of our courses we run through the Isle of Avalon Foundation. Um, I am a director there, so of course I'm, my heart is very, very attached to the foundation. And so their, their email is Isle I S L E of Avalon Foundation. All is one word. Dot com. That's right. Dot com. Yes. Okay. Yes, Beautiful. That's their website. Lovely. And that's a not-for-profit organisation teaching spiritually based courses and based in Glastonbury which is a very spiritual powerful place to, to, to be involved in so yes and is this where you two live in well, Glastonbury we, we partly live in Glastonbury and we partly live in London hmm. um, when we first started teaching in Glastonbury we thought uh, our place was to actually live in Glastonbury um, but however hard we tried to actually live in Glastonbury it didn't work and we still find ourselves living part-time in London, part-time in Glastonbury. And we don't know the reason why. Is there an earth energy or energy in Glastonbury that calls you? London is very male, and Glastonbury is very female, and maybe that's part of the redressing the balance. We're uncertain. We don't know the full story yet. (laughs) But you feel called to both places. Absolutely. Okay, yes. beautiful. So is there anything else, um, just in each of your stories, that, um, that, that has really brought you to the shamanic work, or, just your, or even a story about what makes you feel the shamanic work accomplishes something that other, perhaps other approaches don't actually get at? Well, maybe I could share something with you here. Um, Howard mentioned that I have been a a spiritualist medium for many years. Um, And I was uh, known to be a very powerful spiritual healer. And I 
it's a very long story, but anyway, I, I was very, um, I had a lot of people really wanting to be healed from me. And I even had people queuing up at my door. Um, and I woke up one day, one morning, and thought, I don't feel good about this. Um, I don't feel good about what I'm doing, although the results were amazing. And people had incredible uh, physical changes. Um, but it just didn't feel absolutely right to me. What I wanted to do was work on a soul level, whether it changed anything physically or not. I wanted them to feel the, feel the change within themselves, to feel that, that, that they had made contact with the true self of who they were. And I wasn't sure if I was actually taking something away from them. So that's when I stopped um, doing my mediumship work, and that was very shortly, just a few years prior to before I met Howard. And when I met Howard and we started um, really getting involved with something which was shamanism, but we didn't know the name at that time, it just felt that everything fitted. Um, everything that was done was about empowering that person to find their own beauty and their own wonder, um, not taking anything away from them. So I, maybe that answers your question. Yes, and interestingly, I had a similar experience in the course of my training in a similar, like, wait a minute, this is not quite it moment, and mm. stopping that and then eventually stumbling into the shamanism as well. Well, yes. thank you both for sharing this these pieces of your journey. Um, it's amazing. I think most of us would love to be given a blueprint. <laughs> Um, but as we continue with the show, doesn't mean you know anything much, you know. But as we continue with the show here today, we're going to talk about some of the things that you're actually doing in the world. Um, and also, one thing I'd like to talk about a little bit as we go forward is things you're able to do um, in England that we may not be able to do here, which is part of it that I find fascinating. So we're going to go to a break. Thank you both very much for being with me here today. And, um, I hope everyone will tune in again as we come back. Welcome back, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are speaking with Elsa and Howard from the UK, who are shamanic practitioners and teachers. And what we're exploring today is the work that they're doing there and how it might be similar and different from what we're able to do here in the U.S. So one of the things I know from reading a great publication out of the UK called Sacred Hoop, and for those of you that might want to get a subscription to that magazine, which is gorgeous and beautiful stories. That is sacredhoop.org. You can find that online and subscribe online quite easily. But in this, um, in a recent publication of Sacred Hoop, um, Elson Howard had an article about um, a practice they've been developing that they're calling soul regeneration. And I was hoping maybe you would take some time and talk about that, maybe the questions you were asking in your practice that kind of brought you to it, and then what it is, and, um, and ultimately kind of what, what it ended up doing for your, for your clients. Mm. Yes, it's, um, we, we, we've worked for many years with people who have mental health issues um, in the NHS, which is the National Health Service in the UK, and we can talk about what we do there a little bit later, which we'd like to do. Um, 
Um, and we've we've worked very closely with people that have um, mental health issues, and often they they would we would work with them on a one-to-one basis, or they might come along just as in, an invited guest to some of our workshops and trainings, and they seem to get a great deal from the shamanic work, um, and it would seem to turn their lives around for them. And it was such a joy for us to see this happening. But then so often, and this was um, uh, often, very, uh, happened very often, that people would, after a time, would revert back to um, the difficult position they had been in prior to the shamanic intervention. So we, we, we questioned and questioned over the years. and had felt quite depressed about it and saddened um, that the, and we knew the power of the shamanic way um, and couldn't understand why it seemed to revert um, for these people. And one day um, we read an article by Mary Curtis and she called it um, Soul Renewal. Journal. Um, and it was in the very first journal uh, that was published by the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. And we read that article and our hearts leapt because she was talking here about work she was doing with um, people who were having mental health problems. She talked about one particular lady. And this lady she'd worked with many times before. Um, And she was doing um, a soul retrieval for her which she'd done on many occasions before, but just before she did that soul retrieval, she was, she was told, before you do that soul retrieval, we just want you to wait while we take something away. And what we're taking away um, needs to be with the fairies for a while. So she carried on, she waited for as long as it was necessary, and then when she was told the time was right, she completed the session by doing the soul retrieval. And when her client had gone, she went back to her guiding spirits and said, what was that all about? I thought when we did soul retrieval, we were bringing something back, not taking something out. And they told her um, that a part of um, a part of her client's essence, soul essence, um, needed a holiday. And so they were going to take it away to be with the fairies and it would be regenerated. So this really touched us and it was like, wow, what is this about? You know, can this be what we've been searching for? So we did our journeys to our own guiding spirits and they were over the moon. They had been waiting for us to find this pathway for so long. Um, and it something we had to come to. They couldn't tell us before we actually got there. Well, and Elsa, let me break in here really quickly, because this is one thing that people don't understand, at least in the U.S., is our helping spirits are not going to rescue us. You know, yeah. we have to ask the questions. You yeah. know, we, we, we have to, like you said, we have to find the path ourselves and start asking the right questions. And then they're yeah. so overjoyed to finally pour that information into us, but they can't just rescue us. And this is a, a piece yeah. about 
people's relationship with the helping spirits and shamanism that is challenging, I think, for contemporary people to understand is that we have to do our part. Yes, I quite agree. And, you know, when we're teaching students, we try to constantly emphasize they will not live your lives for you. And you have to be responsible for not only living your life, but actually finding the next step on your path. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I I think it is is something people do find hard to take on board. And we find beyond that that, in fact, as we, you know, life being an initiation into, that as we step along our path, each step has to be done alone, actually even without spiritual kind of support that we're consciously aware of. It's almost like everyone has to withdraw when the step is taken because we can't be pushed, shoved, or dragged (laughs) along our path. We must actively engage in it in our personal journey. And then, of course, we we need community to to support that journey. But when the step happens, each step happens, the spirits have to stand back. It seems to be a kind of a universal law, and that's why we love sitting in circles because it supports people in that, that journey. Well, and it's very much like you were saying about Mary's article is then, you know, it happens and then mm. you get to go back to your helping spirits and your community yes. and say, what the hell is that? <laughs> yes. What does it, it mean? What are the ramifications of on my life? Yeah. But you don't get to Sorry. know that before you take the step. You just have to take the step blind and alone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so a, let's get a lot of people have generation. sort of implied, well, you know, how come they didn't tell you about this earlier? Yeah. Um, but it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, well, and they always tell me if we tell if we told you, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, yes, exactly, and it wouldn't mean anything, right? Because you hadn't found it yourself, right? Okay, so let's yeah. go back to soul regeneration. So you you've you've begun to talk to your own helping spirits about this process. Yes. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about how you're doing it with your people and how that's working for them. Yeah. Well, um, what happened when we when we talked with our guiding spirits, we were told, um, you know, you need to find out more about this by actually working with people. So, um, call for some volunteers who will be happy to have this experience, um, and then we will help you understand more about it. And we were inundated with volunteers when we asked people. Um, we didn't, you know, the, the thing was we didn't know too much about it ourselves, Christina, to begin with. Just a part of them that was worn out and had always been there when other soul essences had maybe um, moved away for a time. Um, that part had always stayed there through thick and thin. Like, a, like a frontline a soldier, yeah, like a yeah. frontline soldier guarding <laughs> the, the territory. And um, they just get exhausted. Sorry? They just get exhausted. Well, exactly. Because they're and always vigilant, always caring, always, 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 and they just get mm. pooped. Mm. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, for everyone, that was like, oh, gosh, that's just what I need. <laughs> so uh, you can imagine that people were really over the moon to have this experience. <laughs> so we had all these volunteers, and we actually really didn't know what we were doing to begin with, except that we were asking them if they were prepared to do this. And then we were just guided by spirit. And um, we found that it had a huge impact on people. Um, First and foremost, it was about reclaiming all the parts of ourselves that we had denied that we'd actually put into our shadow. 
Um, so that was a process that um, needed doing. And I have to compliment you here, uh, Christina, because we have been so delighted to use your encyclopedia. It has clarified so many points that have made it easy for us to explain things to people. And we loved your explanation of the shadow. And so everyone that was working with us with reclaiming parts of their shadow, they had a copy of, of what came out of your encyclopedia. Well, thank you. I'm glad it's working. It's supposed to be a reference book. It's beautiful. It, it, it really is working. It's certainly working for us. We, we are recommending it to everyone we talk to. So, yes, it really is working. Thank you. Um, so when when that had been completed, we and we didn't sort of quite know um, how okay to find out what you've what you've put in your shadow, but how do you reclaim it? And we were told um, you write a fairy story with all the elements that you put into your shadow, um, and the fairy story can be as horrific as you want it to be. Um, fairy stories often do have an air, air of horror around them at some points. But there's always the once upon a time beginning, and there's always lives happily ever after at the end. Hmm. So providing that you start like that and finish like that, you can make it as um, just as it is for you and how it has been for you. So that, that came out as quite an exciting part because... We, for us, you know, just mere human beings, how do you actually um, reclaim all those things you've denied? Um, and that seems a wonderful way of doing it. And then there were many um, depossessions and extractions to do, but they weren't often the normal um, depossessions and extractions we were talking about. It was just anything that wasn't of that person's soul essence and sometimes the depossessions have been rocks and stones mm-hmm. which is um, something we hadn't encountered before um, I'm not saying the rocks and stones had possessed the person I'm saying that the person had used their energy to make themselves feel good um, but now they needed to let go of that energy and be with their own energy yeah, yeah. Um, so, just get, for people that don't journey a lot, energies in 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 our in the shamanic realm, energies take on a form so yeah. that we can work with them. And yeah. so, um, so these are the well, energies, the, the form these energies took, so that we could figure out how to work with them. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, just. Uh, we're going to go to a break here in just a minute, but I, I can hear my my American um, counterparts wanting to know. <laughs> Could you all take just a moment and just share what it is that it is for you to talk about the fairy realm yeah. and what it means to take these parts to the fairies? Are we having a break now? Well, in a minute, but why don't we just share that first? Okay, yeah. Well, we increasingly have been working with the fairy, fairy realm over the past few years and realized that we had a huge, deep connection with them. Um, and it's been a, an absolute delight for us um, 
to work with the fairy realm. They, they work in slightly different ways to um, our other guiding spirits. And there's a lot of humour. Um, and uh, they, they, they really um, are not always quite what you think they're going to be. Uh, let me let Howard explain some things to you about the fairy realm. Well, the way the way I think we'd see them are are their manifestations of the the four elements of the earth, um, of the air, the air, the fire, the water, and the earth itself, and they're, they're spiritual emanations, if you like, spiritual um, intelligences that um, that connect with human beings and and have a, and are part of the great spirit, but very much um, the spirit of of Mother Earth, and and so I think particularly working with mental health, um, we find that the fairy ele- elements uh, are so powerful because they help, although it, they sound airy fairy, literally, in fact, they're very much grounding essences and very much um, bringing people's feet firmly on the earth um, because that's a very important part <laughs> of the work. Shamanism is, is to ground people in, their, in their, their path on their journey on the earth and so we find that fairy work paradoxically is very very earth earth based um, um, healing beautiful thank you because you know over here we don't understand the fairies the way you all do over there because they present differently here anyway plus you have much richer tales than we do yet over here (laughs) but anyway (laughs) we are going to a break now and when we come back maybe we'll shift a little bit and talk about your work in the hospitals and um, with NIH so thank you both and everyone um, come on back after the next break Welcome back, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. We are continuing our conversation today with shamanic practitioners and teachers, Howard and Elsa Malpas, who are uh, living in the U.K., and they're sharing with us um, aspects of their healing work there and their teaching um, in England. And what what we're going to talk about in this section of the show is their work in hospitals and their work with people that have been you know, diagnosed as mentally ill. And so I'm just going to kind of open that up. I don't understand all of it that you're doing, but I am really interested to hear because we have a lot of hurdles here in America in bringing this work into the system. But it sounds like there's more freedom for you, um, or maybe you you came into someone who was particularly open-minded or something. How did you get into the system in the first place? Well, for us, um, we we basically trained in acupuncture and uh, shiatsu many, many years ago. And, and about um, 16 years ago, actually, we, we were invited to um, teach some of the uh, doctors and nurses at a local hospital uh, shiatsu. And so I ran some classes for them. And, um, and some of the people with, with the, the power, if you like, turned, turned up at the, at the course and said, look, maybe you'd like to try to work with some patients. And so we were actually invited then to become a member of staff at a psychiatric unit which um, specializes in, in helping people detox from drugs, alcohol, and other chemicals um, that, that have a dual diagnosis of, of a mental health problem around that. Mm-hmm. So it's a secure ward um, with 19 patients which generally revolve around every kind of three weeks. So it's a fairly short-term psychiatric unit. And we started um, practicing acupuncture and shiatsu and also running kind of guided visualization journeys for them which were very gentle just taking people into a into a gentle kind of relaxed place but and this is how spirit works in a lovely way sometimes last year um the 
ward banned smoking and they were actually they had a special dispensation to allow smoking on the psychiatric unit particularly when people are coming off everything from heroin to tranquilizers and mm-hmm. alcohol and all that um that at least they can have a cigarette but actually there was a blanket ban um a year last july um and that's quite a difficult thing for someone to go in who's got a mental health problem who's totally and utterly addicted to cigarettes and many other things and so they said can you come up with something that um might help and it would be an evening group would you like to to do that as, as some extra work and so forth and of course i just presented the idea of bringing the drum up and we didn't of course use the word shamanism but we said we'd like to do a, a play the drum and take them take the people to meet a wise part of themselves this is this is how we phrased it to to the powers that be um in a gentle guided journey elsa would talk and i would play the drum and we'd take them and elsa generally would take them to a waterfall and behind the waterfall would appear this guide this part of themselves so it wasn't really a spiritual thing because of course in shamanism we work with spirits and that that's that is the difficulty with with um modern medical um practice because you you know to bring a spiritual element isn't medicine <laughs> in the modern sense so we we just talked talked about it as being part of their own psyche um and that this part, part would help them with their addictions so that that was the, the pitch um and off we went and we we said we of course we'd pilot it and evaluate it so we had evaluation forms for all the patients and very quickly when we started doing this we were getting some really quite profound results that were nothing to do with smoking and um perhaps i could share one or two anecdotes with you on oh, that oh that would be lovely yes um well one very soon after we started there was a young man in there who we'd met he'd been in five or six times i think a lovely gentle young man and um we knew little about why he was so self-destructive alcohol was the problem and he basically was trying to drink himself to death as soon as he'd go out he'd be back on drinking and in a severe severe way and so during this journey when he was taken to the waterfall this wise part of himself wasn't um like a a Christ-like figure or anything it was actually the figure of a young girl who he'd who'd been his fiance and we found out through his story afterwards that in fact um it's a tragic story that two weeks before the wedding he called it off he said no I don't I can't you know I love you but I don't want to marry you and what did she do she did the ultimate thing which is to commit suicide mm. and of course he totally and utterly was broken by that um so who and they basically gave up on his life um but who came from behind the waterfall but the young girl and in such an authentic and deep way that he knew it was real that no talking therapy we feel could have got him to that it was just so natural you know the way uh, uh, in a journey it happens quicker than you could make it up <laughs> yes that's how it happened for him and um when he was discharged we actually got an email from him saying you know my my desire to drink is gone simply because she said um to him in this vision you know i was my time to go i know it appeared that um you know i went prematurely but it was my time to go then and in that way and i fulfilled my destiny by 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 that and um and so he heard that and so his desire and need to drink had gone and so we treasure that email as being one of the first signs that this work could be very profound for people um and you know i could go on but you know what please do share another one yeah um <laughs> another one a very really important one for us i feel um and this was more recent was um a young man and again a theme starts to emerge here because this young guy he 
He'd been in prison for a year. Um, sorry, I'll get this right. His brother had just come out of prison, and they were both heroin addicts. And um, the brother, so they had a celebration, and they, they injected heroin. The, the, the older brother injected heroin into the, the convict brother, um, and they shared the needle and did their thing together. But, of course, the guy, he hadn't been used to taking the doses, and, of course, the brother killed the, the other brother mm-hmm. by mistake, of course. But, again, mortified and absolutely riddled with guilt. You know, he was there in, in the detox unit looking pale and death-like and absolutely crushed by this guilt that he was carrying and, and who would appear again, not the help, the help me stop smoking guide we, were, we, <laughs> we, we, we pitched in the beginning, but, of course, the, the dead young man's brother appeared and said, look, get on with your life, you know, and, and from where I'm sitting, it's time for you to stop using heroin. He said it didn't help us much in, in, in life, and it's not going to help you much in your life. I'm fine, and I'll see you later. Don't forget I'm always with you. And I remember him saying, you know, I'm always in your heart. And, and he said afterwards, as he was sharing this, he, he said, I can actually feel him there now. And there were tears. And, and, of course, he was witnessed. This was all witnessed by the other patients in the room. And um, so he had the witnessing, which we feel is important also. And so this man, I mean, had a very profound experience in, a, in what was a 25-minute journey. It, it's, uh, and, you know, we, we, we can go on. So we've, got a, we've, we've treated about 500 people now in that, and we've got evaluation forms, um, and, and we haven't had any negative reaction because, you know, we do have people there who are psychotic and people, people who are schizophrenic, and yet you'd think, you know, to take them onto the edge of their consciousness might not be wise, but it seems to be um, a very healthy, powerful thing to be doing. Um, in some shows with Ed Tick, who works with people that have been traumatized by war, um, uh-huh. he says a similar thing. It's that, that, that when, we, when we conceptualize something through psychology and pathology and pharmacology, mm-hmm. we, we completely miss often what's actually going on for the person, which is largely spiritual. Yeah. And, and if we address it, from a shamanic perspective and, and a spirit-based perspective, mm. it's really not that complicated. Yeah. But pharmacologically and psychologically, it, it's really complicated, but it's because mm. we're understanding it in the wrong way. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's that little child inside, really, that needs to be heard. In fact, that child inside is, is the one that has to be free uh, and, and that is the master in, in terms of being a shamanic teacher or a practitioner of shamanism. It's the little voice, that little quiet childlike voice that's the master and the intellect has to sit and bow down to that, which can be quite difficult for people. And, but less difficult, I find, for people who are supposedly mentally unwell. Um, they seem to be very, very, very conducive. It's very conducive to them to, and natural for them to follow the, dr- the drum and, and just off they go. Yeah. Very little fear seems to be there, whereas with a lot of people with a big, strong intellect, the kind of fear raises its face when, when we start to take them on journeys, you know? Well, I think people that see, appear to be surviving well in the world, as the world is currently organized, you know, they, they have this, um, this belief that it's working, and so they have a lot at stake, <laughs> whereas yeah. if it's not working real well for you, you don't quite have so much at stake in listening to yeah, something else. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. And, but, but from a shamanic point of view, I, I feel that people who, who have what we say are unwell or mentally unwell, in, in, on one sense, that physical sense, sure, but on a spiritual sense, I feel that there's kind of a warriorship in them, in mm-hmm. those people, that they're, they're brave enough in their spirits 
to go to the very edges of themselves um, to explore, explore the wounds and brokenness in, in them and to sit with it until, <laughs> until it's time for, for that to, to change. Um, and, and I find that, um, you know, we, we look at the words, we work with wounds in, in shamanic work ourselves, but, but not, not the actual wound itself, but the blessings that come from it. And we love the work of Michael Mead, who I think should be your next president after Obama. Michael Mead is a wonderful um, advocate of, of the, el, the ancient ways, and he's an American. Um, and Michael um, talks of, of the, the word um, to, to bless. Um, and to wound, uh, ble- the word wound has a French root, blessure, which means to wound. And so you've got kind of um, wounds and blessings being uh, coming from the same place. And we say from a shamanic point of view that all blessings come from the wounded place. And you could say maybe arguably only the wounded place. So we need to, instead of run away and, and hide and heal our wounds in, without looking at the, the bright light blessings that come, from those wounds. It's almost like we have to be cut into ourselves enough, deep enough for the light to come out or the well, light to get in. Let's talk about this in the next section. We need to go to a break, but this is really important. So let's explore this as we come back after this next break. Um, the wounds and the blessings. So we'll come back to this after this next section. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are speaking with Howard and Elsa Melpas, and they are shamanic practitioners and teachers in the UK. And we are talking specifically about a very important idea that is a very traditional idea. I think it's critical if we're going to deal with people, truly begin to help people with mental illness. Um, But it's pretty important to the rest of us as well. And this is this... um, ancient awareness. It's not even an idea. That's sort of diminishing. It's an ancient awareness. It's an archetypal awareness, I believe, Mm. that Howard is speaking to as we close this last section, which is about the relationship between the wounds in our life and the blessings that come from them and the gifts. And in particular, the relationship that people we would diagnose as mentally ill, the courage that they have to be with those extreme states in themselves. So why don't we continue with what you were saying, Howard, about this idea that perhaps perhaps all of our gifts come from our wounds. Sure. And um, so we find when we open a circle, a shamanic circle, um, a sacred circle, um, what, what we find is that when we call in the Great Spirit, um, it's this, for me, it's an, a never-ending excitement because people instinctively take their, their masks off a little, or maybe all, <laughs> and reveal um, the, the weight that they may be carrying. Um, but what, what we love about shamanic work is that that weight, those wounds that are natural in our life progression, um, we don't need to be looking at the actual wound, but the blessings that come from it. And so, and that's what the shamanic work we do is involved in, literally retrieving what is rightfully ours, the, the inner work has already been done, and we reap the blessings. And it, the problem with our, our Western society is that we don't have a place that's deep enough for people to welcome home the bright blessings that come from all the hard work. It seems that it has to be witnessed in a community that is full of respect, um, that others of like mind and heart actually hear a person's journey and hear 
and see the beauty of them. It's almost people cannot engage in that beauty and that light unless it's been acknowledged by the community. And that's what's really so important is community and ceremony that flows and deepens people enough to, first of all, be trust that it's not going to hurt when they go near that wounded place, that it's the bright blessings that come from those wounds that are ready to come out. And it's so, uh, so joyful when that happens. And, of course, it happens a lot in circles, as I'm sure you know, Christina. Well, and we speak um, often about warriorship and how the path of warriorship is completed when that song is sung, when, 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 the, when the, the journey of the warrior is acknowledged publicly, yes. and that we've found ancestral warriors that are stuck between the worlds because no one found them and no mm. one sang their story. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like jewels and treasures, and to, you know, they need to be honored and respected. And yeah, I love, I love you bringing up this, the ancestral thing, because I feel we, our UK conference this year is, 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 has the theme of the ancestors um, as being an ultimate resource for us, because they, their knowledge and wisdom, I think you, used, you actually used on a different, another program of yours, the, the idea that we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors. And we need to acknowledge that, and they need that acknowledgement um, for, the, for us to continue. It's I a very, just, very important thing. I just came back from teaching my ancestral healing workshop last week, and the thing that we kept try- people kept discovering was it is in an interrelationship, just like all other spirit relationships, where the ancestors can't do their job if we don't go to them and ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and then we have this huge wealth of support to do what we're trying to do here in the physical world. Mm-hmm. And it's this great resource as contemporary people we've really lost the 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 ways to connect to. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And you know in that if I go back to what we we were told that you know you and people like you and I I, I actually would like to include this virtual circle. I feel anyone who's drawn to connect with a program like this is definitely, in my, in my, my feeling, is that they are part of that healing web of life that um, is so important to the earth at this time. Um, and that, you know, we're here to redress the balance. And, the, the, you know, one way of looking at the imbalance is that it's too, looking at from a Taoist point of view, too yang. Yang is too fast, it's hard, it's shallow, um, it's too hot. Uh, whereas shamanic work is almost, a lot of it's the opposite. It's deep. You're going down into the realms, you know, up out of. So you're journeying into the other realms, the lower world and so forth. It's, it's very feminine in, in its nature and yin. And it's very nurturing, I, I feel, as well. So it's very much a wonderful antidote to help us to redress that balance. I mean, even the world's, you know, all this global warming, it's very... Everything's over yang. <laughs> everything's, everything's over masculine, masculinized, if you like, and so we need to bring that back. Well, and it's beautiful what you said. In addition to this balance on the web is that the place that it's going to happen also is in the heart, and that we have to connect in the heart with each other. Yes. Yeah. It was, we, I can't tell you how much that was stressed to us in our vision of, of how important each individual heart is and the connections they make with their heart. Um, as a, as stronger than any kind of anything <laughs> anything on the earth. Well, and that's yeah. what I love about shamanism is the is the deep core shared understanding that true power moves through the heart. True power.
power isn't power over and manipulation of other people. That's abuse of power. Mm. But that true yes. power comes out of that restorative, nurturing place through the heart and out in the world as an expression of your gifts and of your mm. your your unique offering to the world. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm we're just, just about done, if you can believe it. it just um, something Mother Earth has always told me every time I've journeyed to her, she always, whatever else I, I go asking for or talk to her about, um, she always says, the only thing you need to do in this life, what you're really here for, is to learn to love yourself unconditionally. And every time I speak to her, that is all she really, really emphasizes, that that's our main job in this earth at this time. And I feel the more we love ourselves and the more we can accept our own beauty, our own divinity, the more we, we add to that beautiful heart um, web. Thank yes. you, Elsa. Thank you so much. So, everybody, in every show, we give something, everybody something to do for the day. I think you should do this for the week, but to take a moment in each day, and if you forget, do it before you go to bed, to find that place of beauty in yourself that you offered to that day and to honor it and acknowledge it. And if you have someone in your life, speak to it and allow it to be witnessed. So Elsa, thank you so much for your time here today. And Howard, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, Christine. A great pleasure. I'm so happy that you join us here today. I want to give thanks to the energy of the earth below and the sky above for holding us in this conversation, both ours and as this conversation ripples out through people listening through downloads and etc. We give thanks to the energy of the ancestors for being with us and for holding the wisdom that we are tapping into through our shamanic work. We give thanks to the energy of the heart that unites us all. Let us all remember that it is a very, very very small planet. It is beautiful and exquisite. Let us all walk softly on it and make beauty with our lives. So thank you both for being with us here today. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Okay. So next week, our guest will be um, Dr. Edward Tick, and he will be continuing his talk about working shamanic healing with vets. And we will hopefully hear some of their stories about how shamanic work and traditional paths have helped them to heal. So thank you all. For more information, the website for me is lastmasscenter.org. And for Howard and Elsa, it's shamanicwarrior.com. Thank you all for joining us this week. 